0: The wind in the willows chapter two the open road ratty said the mole suddenly one bright summer morning if you please i want to ask you a favor the rat was sitting on the river bank singing a little song he had just composed it himself so he was very taken up with it and would not pay proper attention to mole or anything else since early morning he had been swimming in the river in company with his friends and the ducks and when the ducks stood on their heads suddenly as ducks will He would drive down and tickle their necks just under where their chins would be if ducks had any chins at all, till they were forced to come to the surface again in a hurry, spluttering and angry and shaking their feathers at him, for it is impossible to say quite all you feel when your head is under water. At last they implored him to go away and attend to his own affairs and leave them to mind theirs. So the rat went went away and sat on the river bank in the sun, and made up a song about them which he called ducks ditty all along the backwaters through the rushes tall ducks are dabbing up tails and all ducks tails drake's tails yellow feet a quiver yellow bills all out of sight busy in the river slushy green undergrowth where the roach swim here we keep our larder cool and full and dim everyone for what he likes We like to be heads down, tails up, dabbing free. (laughs) High in the blue above, swift whirl and call, we are down the dabbing up, tails and all. (laughs) I don't know what I think so very much of that little song, Rat observed them all, and myself, the reader, cautiously. He was no poet himself and didn't care who knew it, and he had a candid nature. Nor don't the ducks neither, replied Rat cheerfully. They say why can't fellows be allowed to do what they like, when they like, and as they like, instead of other fellows sitting on the banks and watching them all the time making remarks and poetry and things about them. What nonsense it all is. That's what the ducks say. So it is, so it is, said the mole with great heartiness. No, it isn't, cried the rat indignantly. Well, then, it isn't, it isn't, replied the mole soothingly. "'But what I wanted to ask you was, won't you take me to call Mr. Toad? "'I've heard so much about him, and I do want to meet him and make an acquaintance.' "'Why, certainly,' said the good-natured rat, "'jumping to his feet and dismissing poetry from his mind for the day. "'Thank goodness. "'Get the boat out and we'll paddle up up there at once. "'It's never the wrong time to call on Toad. "'Early on or late, he's always there, the same fellow.' Always good-tempered, always glad to see you, always sorry for when you go. He must be a very nice animal, observed the mole, as he got into the boat and took the skulls, while the rat settled himself comfortably in the stern. He is indeed the best of animals, replied the rat, so simple and so good-natured and so affectionate. Perhaps he's not very clever, we can't all be geniuses. And it may be the case that, both boastful and conceited, but he has got some things, some great qualities, has Toady. Rounding and bend the river, they came in sight of a handsome, dignified old house of mellowed red brick, with well kept lawns reaching down to the water's edge. There's Toad Hall, said the rat, and that creek on the left, where the notice board says private, no landing allowed, leads to his boathouse where we'll leave the boat. The stables are over there to the right. That's where the banqueting hall you're looking at now, very old that is, Toad is rather rich, you know, and this is really one of the nicest houses in these parts, though we never admit as much to Toad. They glided up the creek and the mole shipped his skulls as they passed into the shadow of a large boathouse. Here they saw many handsome boats slung from the cross beams or hauled up on a slip, but none in the water, and the place had an unused and deserted air. The rat looked around him. "'I understand,' said he. "'Boating is played out. "'He's tired of it and done with it. "'I wonder what new fad he has taken up now. "'Come along and let's look him up. "'We shall hear all about it quite soon enough.' They disembarked and strolled across the gay flower-decked lawns in search of Toad, whom they presently happened upon, resting in a wicker garden chair, with a preoccupied expression on his face and a large map spread out on his knees.' "'Hooray!' he cried, jumping up, seeing them. "'This is splendid!' He shook the paws of both of them warmly, "'never waiting for an introduction to the mole. "'How kind of you!' we went on, dancing around them. "'I was just going to send a boat down the river for you, Ratty, "'with strict orders that you were to be fetched up here at once, "'whatever you were doing. "'I want you so badly, both of you. "'Now what will you take?' "'Come inside and take something. "'You don't know how lucky it is to be turning up just now.' "'Let's sit quietly for a bit, Toadie said the rat, "'throwing himself into an easy chair "'while the mole took another by the side of him "'and made some civil remarks about Toad's delightful residence. "'Finest house in the whole river,' cried Toad boisterously, "'or anywhere else, for that matter,' he could not help adding. "'Here the rat nudged the mole.' unfortunately the toad saw him to do it and turned very red there was a moment's painful silence then toad burst out laughing all right ratty he said it is only my way to say that you know and it's not such very bad house is it you know how rather like it yourself how you rather like it yourself now look here let's be sensible you're very animals i wanted you've got to help me it's most important "'It's about your rowing, I suppose,' said the rat, with an innocent air. "'You're getting on fairly well, though you splash a good bit still. "'With that great deal of patience and quantity of coaching, you may—' "'Oh, poo, boating,' interrupted the toad, in great disgust. "'Silly boyish amusement. I've given that up long ago. "'Sheer waste of time. That's what it is. "'It makes me downright sorry to see you fellows "'who ought not be better spending all your energies and that—' any aimless manner now i've discovered the real thing the only genuine occupation for a lifetime i propose to devote the remainder of mine to it and i can only regret the wasted years that lie behind me squandering in trivialities come with me now dear ratty and your amiable friend also if you will be so very good just as far as the stable yard and you shall see what you shall see He led them the way to the stable yard accordingly, the rat following with the most mistrustful expression. And there, drawn out on the coach house into the open, they saw a gypsy caravan, shining with newness, painted a canary yellow, pickled... (laughs) picked out with green... well, pickled green, I suppose, and red wheels. There you are, sighed the toad, straddling and expanding himself. There's real life for you, embodied in that little cart." The open road, the dusty highway, the heath, the common, the the hedgerows, the rolling downs, camps, villages, towns, cities, and everything in between. Here today, up and off to somewhere else tomorrow. Travel, change, interest, excitement. The whole world before you and a horizon that's always changing. And mind, it's the very finest cart of its kind ever built without any exception come inside and take a look at the arrangements plan them all myself i did the mole was tremendously interested and excited and followed him eagerly up the steps and into the interior of the caravan the rat only snorted and thrust his hands deep into his pockets remaining where he was it was indeed very compact and comfortable little sleeping bunks a little table that folded up against the wall a cooking stove lockers bookshelves a cage with a bird in it and pots, pans, jugs, and kettles of every size and variety. All complete, said the toad triumphantly, pulling open a locker. You see, biscuits, potted lobster, sardines, everything you can possibly want is here. Soda water here, baccy there, letter, paper, bacon, jam, cards, and dominoes. You'll find, he continued as they descended the steps again. You find that nothing whatever has ever been forgotten. When we make for a start this afternoon. I beg your pardon, said Rat slowly as he chewed a straw. But I did overhear you say something about we and start and this afternoon. Now, you dear good old ratty, said Toad imploringly, don't begin talking in that stiff and sniffy sort of way because you know you've got to come. I can't possibly manage without you, so please consider it settled and don't argue. It's the one thing I cannot stand." You surely don't mean to stick to your dull, fusty old river all your life and just live in a hole like in a bank or a boat. I want to show you the world. I'm going to make an animal of you, my boy. (laughs) I don't care, said Rat dodgedly. I'm not coming, and that's flat. And I'm going to stick to my old river and live in a hole and boat all day, as I've always done. And what's more, Mole's going to stick with me and do so as well. Aren't you, Mole? Of course I am, said the Mole loyally. I'll always stick to you, Rat, and what you say is to be has got to be. All the same, it sounds as if it might have been. Well, rather fun, you know, he added wistfully. Poor Mole. The life adventurous was so new a thing to him. "'and so thrilling, and this fresh aspect of it "'was so tempting, and he had fallen in love "'at first sight with the cannery-colored cart "'and all its little filaments. "'The rat saw what was passing in his mind and wavered. "'He hated disappointing people, "'and he was fond of the mole. Would you almost do anything to oblige him. "'Toad was watching both of them closely. "'Come along in and have some lunch,' "'he said diplomatically, and we'll talk it over. "'We didn't decide anything in a hurry, of course.' I don't really care i only want to give pleasure to you fellows live for others that's my motto in life during luncheon which was all excellent of course as everything at toad hall always was the toad simply let himself go disregarding the rat he proceeded to play upon an inexperienced mole as on a harp naturally voluble animal and always mastered by his imagination he painted the prospects of a trip and joys of the open life and the road ahead, and the road trip and glowing colors that the mole could hardly sit in his chair for excitement. Somehow it soon seemed taken for granted, all three of them, that that trip was, settled th- was a settled thing. And the rat, though still unconvinced in his mind, allowed his good nature to override his personal objections. He could not bear to disappoint his two friends now. Oh who were already deep in schemes and anticipations and planning out each day's separate occupation for several weeks ahead, when they were quite ready, now in triumphant Toad led his companions to the paddock to set them to capture the old gray horse, who without having been consulted and to his own extreme annoyance had been told off by Toad for the dirtiest, dustiest job in the dusty expedition. He frankly preferred the paddock and took a deal of catching Meantime, Toad packed the lockers, still tighter with necessaries, and hung nosebags, nets of onions, bundles of hay, and baskets from the bottom of the cart. At last the horse was caught and harnessed, and they set off all talking at once, each animal either trudging by the side of the cart or sitting on the shaft as the humor took him in. It was a golden afternoon. The smell of dust they kicked up was rich and satisfying. Out of thick orchards on either side of the road, birds called and whistled to them cheerily. Good-natured wayfarers passing them gave them good day or stopped to say nice things about their beautiful cart. And rabbits sitting in the front doors of the hedgerows helped up their forepaws, held up their forepaws, and said, "Oh my, oh my, oh my!" Late in the evening. Tired and happy, miles away from home, they drew up on a remote common far from habitations, turned the horse loose to graze, and ate their simple supper, sitting on the grass by the side of the cart. Toad, talking big about all that he was going to do in the days to come, while the stars grew fuller and larger around them, and a yellow moon, appearing suddenly and silently from nowhere in particular, came to keep them company and listen in on their talk. At last, they turned into their little bunks in the cart, and Toad, kicking out his legs, sleepily said, well, good night, fellows. This is the real life for a gentleman. Talk about your old river. I don't really talk about my river, replied the participant patient rat. You know I don't talk about that, Toad, but I think about it, he added pathetically in a lower tone. I think about it all the time. The mole reached out from under his blanket Felt for the rat's paw in the darkness and gave it a squeeze. I'll do whatever you like, Ratty, he whispered. <clears throat> Shall we run away tomorrow morning, quite early, very early, and go back to our dear old hole in the river? No, no, we'll see it out, whispered back the rat. Thanks awfully, but I ought to stick by toad till this trip is ended. It wouldn't be safe for him to be left out here by himself. It wouldn't take very long. That's never do. Good night. The end was indeed nearer than even suspected by the rat. After so much open air and excitement, the toad slept very soundly, and no amount of shaking could rouse him out of bed the next morning. So the mole and rat turned to quietly and manfully, and while the rat saw the horse and lit a fire and cleaned the night's cups and platters and got things ready for breakfast, the mole trudged off to the nearest village a long way off for milk, eggs, and various necessaries to the toad. of course, had forgotten to provide. The hard work had all been done and the two animals were resting, thoroughly exhausted by the time Toad appeared on the scene, fresh and gay, remarking what a pleasant easy life it was that they were all leading now, after the cares and worries and fatigues of housekeeping at home were gone. They had a pleasant ramble that day over grassy downs and long narrow bylines and camped as before on a common only this time the two guests took care that Toad should do his fair share of work. In consequence, when the time came for seating and starting the next morning, Toad was by no means so rapturous about the simplicity of the primitive life and indeed attempted to resume his place in the bunk where he was hauled by force across county country by narrow lanes. And if it was not till the afternoon they came out the high road, their first high road, and their disaster fleet and unforeseen sprang out on them, disaster, disaster momentous indeed to their expedition, but simply overwhelming in this effect on the after career of Toad. They were strolling along the high road easily, the mole by the horse's head talking to him since the horse had compared and complained that he was being frightfully left out of it, and nobody considered him in the least. So the toad and the water rat walking behind the cart talking together, at least toad was talking anyway, and rat was saying at intervals, yes precisely, and what did you say to him? And thinking all the time of something very different when far behind them, they had heard a faint warning hum like a drone of a distant bee. Glancing back, they saw a small cloud of dust with a dark center energy advancing on them incredibly speed. At incredible speed, while from out the dust the faint poop-poop wailed like an uneasy animal in pain. Hardly regarding it, they turned to resume their conversation, when in an instant, as it seemed, the peaceful scene was changed, and with a blast of wind and a whirl of sound that made them jump from their nearest ditch, it was on them. The poop-poop rang with a brazen shout in their ears. They had a moment's glimpse of an interior of glittering plate glass and rich morocco, and the magnificent motor car, immersed, breath snatching, passionate, with its pilot tense and hugging his wheel, possessed all earth and air for the fraction of a second, flung an enveloping cloud of dust that blinded and enwrapped them utterly, and then dwindled to a speck in the far distance, changed back into the droning bee hum it once was. The old gray horse, dreaming as he plodded along of his quiet paddock in a new, raw situation such as this, simply abandoned himself to his natural emotions. Rearing, plunging, <clears throat> backing steadily in spite of all the mole's efforts and all the most lively language and directed into better feelings, he drove the cart backwards towards the deep ditch at the side of the road. It wavered an instant. Then there was a hardening crash and the cannery-colored cart, their pride and their joy, lay on its side in the ditch, an irremarkable wreck. The rat danced up and down in the road, simply transported with passion. You villains, he shouted, shaking both fists in the air. You scoundrels, you highwaymen, you, you road hogs. I'll have the law on you. I'll report you. I'll take you through all the courts. His homesickness <clears throat> had quite slipped away from him, And for the moment, he was the skipper of the canary-colored vessel driven on a shoal by the reckless jockeying of rival mariners. And he was trying to recollect all the fine and biting things he used to say to masters of steam launchers when their wash, as they drove too near the bank, used to flood his parlor carpet at home. Toad sat straight down in the middle of the dusty road, his legs stretched out before him, and started fixedly in the direction of the disappearing motor car. He breathed it short, his face wore a placid, satisfied expression, and at intervals he faintly murmured, poop, poop. The mole was busy trying to quiet the horse while he succeeded in doing doing so after a time. Then he went to look at the cart on its side in the ditch. It was indeed a sorry sight. Panels and windows smashed, axles hopelessly bent, And one wheel off, sardine tents scattered all over the wide world, and the bird in the birdcage sobbing pitifully and calling to be let out. The rat came to help him, but their united efforts were not sufficient to right the cart. Hi, toad, they cried. Come and bear a hand, can't you? The toad never answered a word or budged from his seat in the road, so they went to see what was the matter with him. They found him in a sort of trance, a happy smile on his face, his eyes still fixed in the dusty wake of their destroyer. At intervals, he was still heard to murmur, poop, poop. The rat shook him by the shoulder. Are you coming to help us, Toad? He demanded sternly. Glorious steering sight, murmured Toad, never offering the move. The poetry motion, the real way to travel, the only way to travel. Here today, in next week, tomorrow, villages skipped, towns and cities jumped, always somebody else in the horizon. Oh, bliss, oh, poop, poop, oh, my, oh, my, oh, slop. <laughs> Being such an ass, Toad, cried the mole, despairingly. And to think I never knew, went on Toad in a dreamy monotone. All of those wasted years that lie behind me, I never knew, I never even dreamt. But now, now that I know, now that I fully realize, what dust clouds shall spring up behind me as I speed on my reckless way? What carts shall I fring <clears throat> carelessly into the ditch in the wake of my magnificent onset? Horrid little carts, common carts, cannery-colored carts. What are we to do with them? asked the mole to the rat. Nothing at all, replied the rat firmly, because there is really nothing to be done. You see, I know him from old. He is now possessed, he has got a new craze, and it always takes him that way in his first stage. He'll continue like that for a couple of days now, like an animal walking in a happy dream, quite useless for all practical purposes. Never mind him. Let's go and see what there is to be done about that cart. The careful inspection showed them that even if they succeeded in riding by, itself, <clears throat> by themselves, the cart would travel no longer. The axles were in a hopeless state and the missing wheel was shattered into pieces. The rat knotted the horse's reins over his back and took him by the head, carrying the birdcage and his hysterical occupant in the other hand. Come on, he said grimly to the mole. It's five or six miles to the nearest town and we shall just have to walk it. The sooner we make the start, the better. But what about Toad, asked the mole anxiously as they set off together. We can't leave him there, although he deserves it, sitting in the middle of the road by himself and the distracting state he's in. It's not safe. Supposing another thing were to come along. Oh, brother, Toad, said the rat savagely, I've done with him. They had not proceeded very far on their way, however, when there was a pattering of feet behind them, and Toad caught them up and thrust a paw inside the elbow of each of them, still breathing short and staring into into vacancy. Now look there, Toad, said the rat sharply. As soon as we get to town, you'll have to go straight to the police station and see if they know anything about that motor car and who it belongs to and lodge a complaint against it. And then you'll have to go to the blacksmith's or wheelwrights and arrange for the cart to be fetched and mended and put to rights. It'll take some time, but it's not quite a hopeless smash. Meanwhile, the mole and I will go to the inn and find a comfortable room where we can stay until the cart is ready to be picked up until your nerves have recovered their shock. Police station complaint, murmured Toad dreamily. Me complain of that beautiful heavenly vision that has been vouchsafed me? Mend the cart. I've done with carts forever. I never want to see a cart or hear of it again. Oh, Ratty, you can't think of how obliged I am for you to consent to coming up on this trip. I wouldn't have gone without you, and then I might never have seen that, that swan, that sunbeam, that thunderbolt. I might never have heard that entrancing sound or smelt that bewitching smell. I owe it all to you, my best of friends. The rat turned from him in despair. You see what it is, he said to the mole, addressing him across Toad's head. He, he is quite hopeless. I give up. When we get to town, we'll go to the railway station, and with luck... We may pick up a train there that <clears throat> gets us back to the riverbank tonight. And if ever you catch me going a pleasuring with this provoking animal again, he snorted and during the rest of that weary trudge addressed his remarks exclusively to Mole. On reaching the town they went straight to the station and deposited Toad in the second class waiting room, giving a porter two pence to keep a strict eye on him. They then left the horse at the inn stable and gave what directions they could about the cart and its contents. Eventually, a slow train, having landed them at a station not very far from Toad Hall, they escorted the spellbound sleepwalking Toad to his door, put him inside it, and instructed his housekeeper to feed him, undress him, and put him to bed. Then they got out their boat from their boathouse, sculled down the river home, and a very late hour sat down to supper in their own cozy riverside parlor to the rat's great joy and contentment. The following evening, the mole, who had risen late and taken things very easily all day, was sitting on the bank fishing when the rat, who had been looking up his friends and gossiping, came strolling along to find him. Heard the news, he said? There's nothing else being talked about all along the river bank. Toad went up to town by the early train this morning and he has ordered a large and very expensive motor car.